Guys, welcome to the Fantasy Fucking Football Podcast. My name is Jimmy LeBeau. To my left is Justin Alfiero. Ben, how was your fourth? How was your fourth of July? I worked. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty much what it was. You know, I was... Uh, we, it's actually July 9th today as we're recording. Uh, we're not 100% sure as to when this is going to get released. Uh, but, I mean, I worked on the 4th of July. I worked till, uh, till 3 a.m. I worked at Domino's, oh. for those who are, who are wondering. Definitely not you. Nah, nah, it was and, uh, and Yeah, I mean, you know, it is it is what it is, you know. That, nah, yeah, listen, you gotta make your money, so someone's gotta work. No time and a half. I won't release any information as to who the, the franchisee is, but no time and a half that we have <laughs> on 4th of July. I did it for the That's same price as any other day. Illegal. It should be illegal in America. It's America's birthday. You should not have to work on America's birthday for a straight time. But, that's why we have this. One day... Someone, you know, to donate a million dollars to us, so he doesn't have to work for 4th of July. Yeah, this is my time and a half. Yeah, except that we're doing this for free. Uh, guys, like I said before, this is the Fantasy Fucking Football Podcast. We're going to get into a lot of draft-related questions going into draft season. Can't wait. Yeah, Can't no. wait for drafts. We're getting very close. We're about, uh, give or take, maybe 80 days out now, so it's really starting to get to that point where it's not just people like us looking into drafts. It's like everybody, you know what I'm saying? So now you have the conversations at work and stuff. This is the best time of the year. Yeah. 80 days? You're highballing. We are July 9th. August 9th, the preseason? Yeah. September 9th. September 9th. I mean, I don't know the exact date the NFL season <laughs> September 9th sounds about right. Yeah, no, it sounds about right. So it lasts for 60, 60 days. days. And we're drafting in, let's say, 55, man. This is crunch time. I've been in two drafts already. So I've been in a dynasty draft myself, and I'm still hoping no news pops up that ruins any of my draft picks. But it's dynasty. It's dynasty, like right? Like dynasty. I still I care own. about year one. A year is a very long time. Yeah. In dynasty, I own guys like Josh Gordon, Rob Gronkowski. Like I'm taking flyers on guys that might come back. And Did you hear about Rob Gronkowski? He's he catching passes doing for throwing sessions with Brady. I'm going to tell you, I thought you were a little ridiculous for that one because I thought there was so much. Did said it in April? I thought, but I didn't realize, so it's now, cause now I'm like, well, geez, when's he coming back? Because <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much money for him to make outside of football that I'm just surprised after the injury, after injury, after injury that he would even, but I mean, you know, Pat McAfee's still kicking footballs as well, so I guess, you know, the itch never goes away for some of these guys. Yeah. No, guys, let's get right into this draft conversation. Okay. I was going to say, up first, we have this, but no, no, that's fine. It's not well, I didn't pause it yet. Oh. So up first. Oh, stop. Okay. We, <laughs> yeah, guys, we're rookies at this. So. Yeah, so up first we're going to have uh, who we each think the most overvalued player, over, are the most, is the most overvalued player going into draft <laughs> season. Excuse my English. So really important question you have to ask yourself in drafts at fantasy football is what do you value? Do you value upside or do you value consistency? Personally, I always value a balance of the two, but I always lean very heavily towards consistency. I okay. do not like inconsistent players unless it's towards history scoring. I was about to say, I think it does vary. Yes, everything depends. Everything's extreme. But as you see on the bottom of your screen, this question is overvalued players. And I think the biggest mistake people make is they overvalue upside. And I think the most overvalued player in all of football is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fair. I'm going to give you the pros for his draft selection, which is second, third round. You, you, have, you have some of those? Yes, I do. Yes, wow. I do. Okay. I, I, I'm an unbiased man, sort of. <laughs> he 
He had his first career thousand yard season this year. Very impressive. I do not wish ill will on anybody. All the all the best, Eric. He had one thousand fifty nine yards and twelve touchdowns last season. He no longer has Matt before, who's totally going to ruin the Packers because there's not an RB by committee situation in Tennessee anymore. Well, probably there will be because Deion Lewis. But for argument's sake, for Derrick Henry's prop, uh, 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 what's the word? Um, for his prospects. Yes, for his prospects. No RB by committee in Tennessee. Derrick Henry's going to get 20 carries. Marcus Mariota is not a good enough quarterback to win the game by throwing the football pass. Nor is Ryan Tannehill. No. So they're going to need to run the ball to win the AFC South, which is very high-powered, which is another reason I dislike Derrick Henry. He's also a mess of human being that played for Alabama. That typically translates well to the NFL. Now here's why I'm going to get into the overvalue. Number one, he's a massive human being. People just look at Derrick Henry and know this guy has to be good at football. So the same thing about Brandon Jacobs. So the same thing about Turner. Does not carry over to fantasy success, guaranteed. In weeks 1-12, to Derrick Henry had a season high of 58 rushing yards and a season high of 18 <laughs> carries with a total of 6 touchdowns. Meaning he was being compared to Trent Richardson and on waiver wire in small 8 and 10 man leagues. In weeks 13 and 14, Derrick Henry just decided to just go off for 458 rushing, t- rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns. In those two weeks, he, he accumulated 48.5% of his yards and 50% of his touchdowns. One of those games happened to be on Thursday Night Football against a depleted and morally defeated Jacksonville Jaguars true, team on true. three days rest on the rope. That is horrible. Thursday Night Football all year, just look at the Chiefs and the Rams, was, that was actually Monday Night Football. I'm mistaken the Vikings and the Rams. The Vikings and the Rams. That game was fantasy-friendly in a half because of the break defense gets. They don't get one. So the offense goes off because the NFL changed the rules to make it where you can't hit people. And Derek Henry benefited from it. In Week 14, he had all the momentum in the world because he just had this monster 250-something-yard game. He had his only other 100-yard multi-touchdown performance against the Giants in a monsoon. <laughs> in a game in which he received 33 carries, and it was a shutout. I- I'm sorry, I don't trust this to continue consistently week in and week out. He entered the season with a respectable 16.4 and 9.3 fantasy points. I'm not saying Derrick Henry can't boom. I'm saying his floor is ridiculously low, and I leave the floor to you for who is your most overvalued player. Who is my most overvalued player, you ask? Yes, I do, I do ask who's your most overvalued players. The people want to know. I mean, I, I am a person, so I would like to know. I'm one person, but... The most overvalued player in fantasy football this season, bar none, talking about draft position, is George Kittle. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, this is not a knock on George Kittle's talent. I love George Kittle's talent. This guy's a big play machine for a tight end. I appreciate it. Only five touchdowns on all those big plays. I don't like that, but he could play. I like George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the NFL. We have that out of the way. Sometimes once things are on the internet, you know, I just want to make sure I cover all bases here so I don't get caught saying something stupid. Yes. But what you do not do is draft tight ends in the second round, and that's why I think he's overvalued. Most leagues have two running backs, right? Two receivers, a flex, maybe even a third receiver slot. 
and maybe two flexes. But you have one tight end starting, no matter what, unless you want to put one in the flex, good luck with that. You have one tight end starting on your team almost all the time. So I'll be damned that if at running back or receiver, I'm waiting on one of those positions for the third round. I can't do it. There's too many guys to get at that position that you're most likely going to need to fill up more starting slots. I think when you draft a tight end in the second round, it should be reserved. We're talking about guys with a resume. We're talking about Gronk when he was going. We're talking about Tony Gonzalez. And that was, I didn't draft Tony Gonzalez until he played with the Falcons. So Tony Gonzalez, and then you have Travis Kelsey, obviously. And it took a long time. It was only maybe last year. Last year was Travis Kelsey while going in the third round. This is the first year. The first year he's going in the second round. Kittle's also back into the second. I see your point. Okay, but let me let me continue, right? So what we're looking at here is one season of George Kittle, 136 targets, brilliant, right? And who was the quarterback? Nick Mullins. What do you say about young quarterbacks and tight ends? Oh, it's, it's bread and butter. It's bread and butter. Okay. Well, you have Jimmy Garoppolo, a much more, maybe not a veteran per se in terms of reps, but, you know, he has a lot of years under his belt. He worked with the Patriots, who obviously utilized the tight end, but, you know, we saw when he was active that he did spread the ball around quite a bit. He liked to hit the slot receivers. He liked to hit everybody. So I expect a digression on that 136 targets, and uh, I basically just can't do it. I mean, uh, 1,377 yards speaks for itself. It's obviously an incredible season, but I'm going to pass on the tight end in that round to get maybe someone like Mike Evans, Antonio Brown. I'm still going to take the chance on Dalvin Cook. Can't pass up those guys for a tight end for myself personally. That's why I think he's overvalued. Give me a few more seasons like Travis Kelsey where you have four straight seasons with over 100 targets and just obviously solidified himself as the best tight end in the game. Then we could talk about the second round, but until then, I think you got to wait on them just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Okay, um, like, make a very strong point for George Kittle. I think when you made your point where there's one tight end, I think that actually enhances George Kittle's value. Because what you got, Travis Kelsey, you got Zach Ertz, you got George Kittle, and, and, and last year you had like Jared Cook and Eric Ebron. Those were five tight ends. That is less than half of your league, if you're in a 12-man league, yeah. that were actually fantasy-relevant for 16 games. Why wouldn't you want that advantage? Well, okay, so I think if you nail the whole draft, it could work out for you. But me personally, the way I draft, I like to foolproof my team as much as possible, which means I like to assume he's getting injured, and I like to assume I missed on that pick, so on and so forth. Not literally assume, but I like to, I like to play it safe like that. And I think yeah. you sacrifice the depth by drafting the tight end, and I just think overall, chances are your team is going to be better if you just wait on the tight end. No, I, I, that's definitely a very strong argument, and there are definitely a bunch of tight ends that I like later in the draft, guys like Chris Herndon, guys like Jack Doyle, who I think is a sleeper, and even TJ Hawkinson, I think TJ Hawkinson has a lot of potential. Just yeah, rookie tight ends are tough, rookie tight ends are tough, but uh, very talented TJ Hawkinson is. Very, very, very talented. Well, he comes from the same college team as George Kittle. They both from Iowa. Iowa's tight end U. Like, the Detroit Lions, while they don't have a very high-volume passing offense, kind of stick to the tight ends a little bit here. Mm-hmm. T.J. Hawkinson has the potential to really carve out a nice role for himself if he beats out Jesse James. And I think that kind of enhances your point about George Kittle and the tight end position itself being overvalued in the top three rounds. But at the same time, you're not getting 1,377 yards the other receivers you named, who were they? Uh, I named Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. Okay, but that's George Kittle being drafted at the absolute highest of his ADP. 
You start dipping into the third round, right? Oh, oh yeah, no, no, yes, yes. So what I'm saying is at a certain point, draft George Kittle. What I'm saying is that you cannot be putting a second round pick into this tight end. I don't think you could do it. I don't think it, it gives it gives you lesser chance to come out of the draft as set as you want to be. And I don't think people realize till the end. They're like, oh, wow, I really could use an extra receiver. I really could use an extra running back. They're trading for one by week five. And it's like, hell, if you didn't draft George Kittle, you probably would have had that guy. You are right. You are 100% right. I think we could, we could leave that there. And now we move on to the opposite. The most undervalued player in your drafts going into this season. I hand the floor to you. I'm going to start the most undervalued player in fantasy football. Also happens to be the number two quarterback in fantasy football in 2018. The number two quarterback in fantasy football 2018, ladies and gentlemen, is a Hall of Famer, guaranteed. He's a potential, he is a former Super Bowl champion and a potential future Super Bowl champion. I think this team has the upside to do it. I think there's a lot of oh, concerns Lord. about this guy. With some, some drama that has left the building that is only going to make this guy a more competent and motivated quarterback. And that is Ben Roethlisberger. Listen, I'm going to give the reasons why he's undervalued. He lost Antonio Brown. There is the inevitable drama and the stigma that comes with being in that situation with Antonio Brown, with Beyond Bell, and even Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's not guilty in all not innocent in all this either. No, no, he's not. He's, I mean, you know, he also had his rape accusations X amount of years ago. People don't like the guy, so it's just real easy to slip this guy onto the wall. I mean, I hate to tear down the fourth wall, but, like, everyone knows what Ben Roethlisberger was accused of years ago, and it's totally impacted him in the court of public opinion, and that does impact ADP. Look at Tyreek Hill. It does not help uh, that he's 37. No, it doesn't. He's 37. Shit, I mean, Tom Brady's playing, he's 42, but... Ben Roethlisberger is 37, and he is not the same style of play as Tom Brady. He's not a and dunk guy. He's going to stand in the pocket. You've all seen the video of the little leaguer getting hit in the shoulder six times, bouncing off defenders, pretending to be Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> like, we've all seen that viral video on Instagram. And if not, I'll probably share it on the page or something. But I want to talk about the reasons why I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a bad boy in 2019. Number one, like I said, he was number two in score quarterback scoring last year. That, that is very impressive. He's and he's being drafted as quarterback what, if you, if you happen to know off the top of your head? He's being drafted as quarterback. I actually do not have that in front of me, but he's being drafted in the same range as, like, you could wait. You could draft him by a defense. Yeah. So, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's really all support for this guy yeah. is slipping in drafts. He has, still has an elite offensive line, an elite running game, because I think the Steelers will be a top 10 total running game rushing team in the NFL. And that's just going to help him out this burger because play action with Juju Smith-Schuster. The Steelers' defense is also not good enough to protect mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger with points. That is shootout city. Mm-hmm. I don't care that the Ravens are in their division. I don't care that the Bengals are in their division. Definitely not that. And I certainly <laughs> don't care about the absolute fireworks show that is going to be the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers twice a year, every year for the next however many years. Oh, that's going to be tremendous, is it not? Oh, it's going to be excellent, dude. That game really deserves to be prime time. I have not looked at the schedule like that, but it really should be. And, I mean, look, just looking at the numbers, this guy had eight 300-plus-yard games in 2018, two 400-plus-yard games, 11 games with two or more touchdowns, five games where he recorded a touchdown, three rushing touchdowns, 
675 pass attempts, 5,129 yards, and 37 total touchdowns. Proves that even in his old age... That's a career high, mind you, he hits at 37 years of age, 36 years of age. And and I think the rule change in the NFL that will protect an older veteran like Ben Roethlisberger, that has obviously changed the league in the past five years, is only going to make this even more practical to continue. 2019 does not have to be the year Ben Roethlisberger has a career year, but 2019 is the year you should draft Ben Roethlisberger in the in the 12th round because people are disrespectful. Yeah, well, and I think the one the one nuance is obviously there's no Antonio Brown there. I mean, you have to. The only things that James Washington was definitely a little disappointing last year. Those big time catches. A lot of Patriots. Well, because he has that type of talent, but there was a lot of talks about him being a little overweight. This, that, the next thing. Not the types of things you like to hear out of a rookie. It's one thing if you have a tough time grasping the offense. Uh, but if he makes that leap this year, they do have other guys that I like. Ryan Switzer could play, so on and so forth. So I mean, I'm not. I'm not. A lot of people are high on Moncrief. Well, okay. Before we so get into Dante, so Moncrief. I say he threw in a trigger word. <laughs> he threw in a trigger word. He threw in a trigger word. You got. You got to get your. You got to get yeah, your. Yeah. Well, we show time here. It's. It's. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Okay. So, who was your most undervalued player in 2019? The most. Okay. So I don't like to go with a quarterback in this specifically. Okay. So I'm gonna put that out there. That because there's so many undervalued quarterbacks. So what I wanted to take was a skill position and say the most undervalued there. The most undervalued player going into drafts this season is Devin Funches of the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, then. I'm going to explain why, okay? So last year, obviously, Cam Newton wasn't able to stay healthy. The Colts did sign Devin Funches to one year up to $13 million. I think he's only guaranteed $5 million. But 13 brings him close. He has incentives that could bring him to Jarvis Landry money. Just putting it out there. It shows they have a little bit of faith in the guy. Different type of receiver. So, let's look at last year, what that receiver was able to do. That second guy that wasn't T.Y. Hilton, who they basically just supplemented with a bunch of guys that they had no real confidence in. You know, Dontrell Inman was like a midseason pickup. Dontrell Inman's not off on the team anymore. Ryan Grant is off the team, and I presume that Marcus Johnson, and as a Colts fan, may I add, so take my opinion more seriously, Marcus Johnson and Zach Pascal will probably be off the team with Deion Kane returning, Paris Campbell getting drafted, and maybe Chester Rogers is on the bubble. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he'll stick around. So those four guys, all gone. What that frees up is 145 targets, 96 receptions, just over 1,000 yards, and seven touchdowns. Okay? So that's the first point to be made is that you have all that available. Now, in 2017, Devin Funches had 100, this is a big season, 111 targets, 63 receptions, and 840 yards with eight touchdowns. Big number. It's a big touchdown number. And he caught about 57% of the passes that came his way. That was with Cam Newton, right? And so let's look at Cam Newton's 2017, and let's compare it to what Andrew Luck did last year. 2017, the same year that Funches had that season. Okay. So let's take Cam Newton and compare him to what Andrew Luck did last season. Devin Funches was able to pull those numbers when Cam Newton was averaging just under 10 less attempts per game, one less touchdown per game, along with the fact that he had 3,300 yards to Andrew Luck's almost 4,600 yards last year and 22 touchdowns as compared to Luck's 39 last year. Luck had 639 attempts last year. Cam Newton had 492 attempts that season. Oof. Okay, so now that we have that under control, in 2017, 111 targets made up 22.6% of Cam Newton's pers- of his attempts, okay? 
If you gave him 22.6% of Lux attempts last year, he had 144 targets. 21.6% of, let me reword that, 63 receptions was 21.6% of Cam Newton's completions. You give that to him last season on the Colts, 21.6%, that's 93 receptions. Yardage, 13.3 yards per reception, okay? If he averaged that on the season with all those attempts, 1,200, his career average is above that. 1,237 receiving yards. Now, let's say forget that, forget that. Why don't we just take the yardage share? So that was 25.4% of Cam Newton's passing yards that season was the 840 yards, right? You take that on Andrew Luck, we're looking at 1,167 yards. Now, I'm not saying he has to hit either of those things, but what I'm saying is that Andrew Luck loves big targets. It's been pushed across, the narrative's been pushed that it's only tight ends that he likes in terms of that type of deal, but what I'm telling you is that he's never had the big body on the outside. Moncrief has been a huge hole in this team. They tried it with Moncrief, and it worked for one season in the red zone. He had, like, freaking 14 touchdowns. It was, like, absurd. I wasn't sure it was 14. Forgive me. I hate that guy. All I'm saying is that you have major, major upside. I mean, this guy's getting drafted in the 10th round or later, is Devin Funches. And I think, bold prediction, this is a 1,000-yard receiver this season. Oh! Is Devin Funches. Absolutely 1,000-yard receiver. There's nowhere else for it to go. There's nowhere else for it to go. Listen, I just made all types of points in regards to that. But your points, I think, are so easily discredited when you take into account the volume of the Panthers' offense versus the volume of the Colts' offense. There's more volume in the Colts' offense. But he's not going to get the same share. He's not going to have the same stock in the Colts' offense as he did in the Panthers. The Panthers had literally Greg Olson. Devin Funches wasn't even there when Christian McCaffrey okay, was taking Okay, but that, it stuff. doesn't matter because that, but that volume, it could, it, it could be made up for it because Cam Newton was completing less than 60% of his passes. Andrew Luck was closing in on 70 last year. So it could be made up through that as well. He's completing yeah, more passes, he's, he's getting, throwing more. He's not getting 21% of the target. He's not getting 21% of that. I, You don't think he's going to get... I think he might no, get... No, Devin no, no. Funches? Okay, if he wins that starting outside job, we could. I, could, I, put, I would put everything I have right now, which isn't much. Not much. I don't get time and a half on July 4th. So I don't have much money in my name. I would put everything down that he gets at least 20% of the targets in Indy. What? No. No. 100%. Absolutely not. There's no way T.Y. Hilton there, like you said, Chester Rogers, like you said, all the players that Andrew Luck likes to spread the ball around to, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, and Marlon Mack, and the Heemans. Marlon Mack ain't catching it out of the backfield. Now, Heemans, I grant you, and Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, I don't think you're going to get more production from the tight end position. I think what's going to happen no. there is that the numbers are going to mesh. That's Person. not good. That's not good for fantasy. Not good that, for the tight ends. That's the only ends. person that's good for is Andrew Luck. And it's not good for Devin Funches either because Devin Funches is a touchdown reliant. He's always been touchdown reliant. When you have 40 touchdowns to throw, and Andrew Luck will be throwing over 40 touchdowns this season. I don't know about over 40. 40. 39 can happen very easily already. again. I mean, well, I mean, well, he's going to throw over 40 this year. That's a spoiler, not a prediction. And... They're there for functions. That's the thing. Everyone thinks they're not there because of the tight ends. They're there. And they I'm t- are, but they're also there for Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, and Naheem Hines. And T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton will get his seven touchdowns. That's fine. We have another 33-plus. And I'm telling you, Funches is going to get his share. They didn't sign him on a one-year prove-it for no reason at all. He's still 25. We have not seen the best of this guy. 
And I'm telling you, it's about to start this season. The same way Eric Ebron was able to... No one would have believed... I mean, maybe some people, but no one would have thought that Eric Ebron was going to do that. But that but that's what happens when you're with the great... The, the thing is that the tight end production is going to mesh. We're not going to agree on this, so we might as well end it. But I'm telling you, Funches in the 10th round? Forget it. You're going to be able to fucking start this guy almost every week. If not every single week, you should be starting Devin Funches come week four when you realize that that's what's going on. I promise. I promise. I'm not right about everything. This is one thing. I know I'm right about functions this year. Low floor, PPR, high ceiling standard. I think I think the ceiling is high enough in PPR as well. I think he has the share there. Okay. And finally, who is the best mid-round pick in fantasy football? I've been handing you the football. I'm going to keep it after stealing the show like that with Devin Funches. You know what I'm saying? Don't you know what Devin I'm saying? Funches. All right, so the best mid-round pick, you can't disagree with this. You can't disagree with this. Best mid-round pick in fantasy football is James White right now. I love James White. James White was definitely my second Okay, choice. so ADP 57 would put him in the late fifth round, even in the early fifth round, honestly. It's a beautiful pick. He's being drafted. He's ranked as the number 27 running back on average right now. Last year in PPR, he finished number seven. You, you know where he finished in standard? To like nine, I think. He Ele- was up there. Eleven. Eleven. It's impossible in the Patriots' offense for James White not to return value. Do you have questions about their backfield? Do you have questions about his role? Well, let me try to put those to rest right now. Tom Brady, last season, had 5.6 air yards per completion. That puts him in the category with game managers like Case Keenum, Marcus Mariota, Maris Smith, Alex Smith, people of that nature. And on top of that, his 2.61 seconds to get rid of the ball on average, only Derek Carr, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, and Andy Dalton got rid of the ball faster than Tom Brady last year. Now what you notice in these offense is a trend. So you look at the Raiders' offense. Carr getting rid of the ball that fast resulted in 126 targets for the running backs on that team with 101 receptions and 816 yards. Yes. On the Steelers, you have 104 targets combined for the running backs, 84 receptions for the running backs, and 714 yards combined through that group. The Saints with Drew Brees, 133 targets. 103 receptions, 888 yards, and that's obviously with Kamara there, who actually had less receptions than James White. When you think about it, he's obviously not as explosive as Salon. And then you have the Bengals as well, 111 targets, 83 receptions, 555 yards to the running back group. That's because when you're getting rid of the ball fast, a lot of times it's a check down or a short pass. Patriots are notorious for it. I figured I would just throw some stats that way to give credence to those people who like that type of thing, right? On top of that, where he's being drafted, here's some of the people you're looking at. You're looking at Tyler Boyd. You're looking at Chris Godwin. You're looking at Mike Williams, right, at receiver. So I call James White a flex. That's kind of how I look at it right now. It's a perfect flex. RB2. RB2, yes, but you could have him in your flex. That's basically where he's being drafted is a flex option, unless you draft tight ends in the second round. But uh, also, his ADP is kind of changing with full PPR. I've seen him go as high as the third round. Well, he deserves it. He, I think he's still fine there. I think he's still fine there, but if he's going to slip, he's going to slip. There's a stigma around the Patriots running backs. So, those guys I just mentioned, Boyd, Godwin, Williams, combined, not combined, let's say that Tyler Boyd had 78 touches, right? 59 touches for Chris Godwin and 43 for Mike Williams, the breakout candidate of 2019. Who all those guys in touchdowns? James White. No, Mike Williams. James White had 12. Mike Williams had two rushing touchdowns. 
All right, well, then he's tied with James White. He ain't going to get no rushing touchdowns this season. So that is what it is. So regardless, James White had 12 touchdowns, which I guess is tied with Mike Williams if you want to count his two rushing touchdowns and use that to propel his value in 2019. Go for it. You can stay on that side of the room. But that's 181 touches as compared to all these guys in the same round. Touches are the name of the game. And on top of it, increasing touches for James White doesn't mean he's getting beat up in between the tackles. So I'm all over it. You don't get those touches there. No, you are right. James White is an amazing, amazing option. Mid-rounds. I don't like that you disrespected my boy Mike Williams. Mike Williams, he was the other two. My top three, four, my top four, I'll give a few names here. I'm going to start by saying Jarvis Landry is my most, is my best mid-round selection. Fair. In the drafts. I think Jarvis Landry, coming off, would be a modest 976 yard, 81 reception season. Wide receiver 31 in PPR. I mean, I, I mean that's modest with a rookie quarterback. Considering it's a rookie quarterback, I actually think that's pretty good. From the game versus the Falcons on, Jarvis Landry saw 11 yards per reception. That had a lot more than he ever saw with Miami. Miami, he was taking dunk. He was a slot receiver like James White. Just check down City. But now Jarvis Landry, obviously, it's Odell Beckham taking top off the fields. And Baker Mayfield that could throw the ball farther than Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Are you so, sure? Yes. <laughs> Yes, I think I think it's very fair to say that Jarvis Landry is going to benefit from having Baker well, Mayfield in his Baker second, year, kind of second year. Lead Baker I'm not Baker. sure Baker Mayfield has NFL level arm strength, says the scouts. Got you, Kyle Coward. And uh, Baker Mayfield is just going to enhance Jarvis Landry as Baker Mayfield progresses as an NFL quarterback. I don't care that Odell Beckham's going to be there. Odell Beckham Jr. in the past two seasons has missed 15 games. And I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of Odell Beckham. Hell, shit. I named my fantasy football team's OB Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love Odell Beckham. I think Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are going to tear it up next season. Like I said, those fireworks versus the Steelers, it's going to be because Jarvis Landry is going to have, like, 15 receptions and, like, a lot of yards to, to go with them. Jarvis Landry, I don't think he's going to be relegated to being this PPR threat. I think we're going to see Jarvis Landry become a more all-around complete wide receiver. I think Jarvis Landry is going to be a guy. He averaged 12 yards per reception last season, but for his career, he only averaged 10.4. I think Baker Mayfield... That includes last season. Yeah. Mind you, so even less. Yeah, that that number was probably, off the top of my head, was probably less than 10. Yeah, it probably should have been. Yeah, it makes sense. And now that Baker Mayfield's there, he's going to be throwing the ball 40 yards down the field to the deep threat that Jarvis Landry's route running allows him to be, as well as his spectacular catches. I mean, do we really... So we really need to go through the list of... His 99 Madden rating. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, Jarvis Landry is some of the best hands in football. There's a reason him and Beckham were rivals in college. And by rivals, I mean teammates, because they just made each other better. Yeah. And what do you know? They're teammates. So where do you think, um, unless you're not done, I'm just curious, where do you think David Njoku plays into all of this? David Njoku, I can see him being a touchdown hog, the same way I can see Chubb doing it. I can see Jarvis Landry having eight touchdowns to 12 touchdowns this year. That's the one thing with Ujoku that kind of scares me. But at the same time, we've seen two wide receivers and a tight end coexist in the past. And I think the Browns' offense is going to be high-powered enough to have all of these pieces coexist. And I think Jarvis Landry, because of his check-down ability, is going to be one of the more reliable pieces of Browns' offense. In fact, I think he is the best value in fantasy football on the Cleveland Browns. Mm. 
We got the Baker Mayfield's what, sixth round ADP right now, seventh round ADP. I, I don't like that. Odell Beckham's still getting drafted where he's being drafted. I, I rightfully so. I, I love, love the second-year quarterback. And Baker Mayfield is the number one reason. Him and Patrick Holmes are the number one reasons I love the second-year quarterback. They're, they're going to tear it up next season. But a seventh-round ADP, I'll wait. Like I said, Ben Roethlisberger. And there's two other second-year quarterbacks. Actually, three. More Jackson, I'm a little on. But, you know, Sam Darwin, Josh Allen, I'll wait on Baker. I don't need Baker. I like Baker. I'll take Baker. But <laughs> I, can, I, can let that, I can let that sit a little yeah. bit. No, I understand. I agree with you on that, by the way, as well. And, I don't know, you look at the Joku. He's getting drafted as a top six tight end. Top seven, depending on how you value Evan Ingram. Or O.J. Howard. Oh, I love O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard's a beast. I'm a little skeptical about the Bucs. I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now. We, we should do a team preview on the Bucs. We'll get to it. I'm very skeptical we'll on them. Yeah. But, like I said, I think Jarvis Landry is the best value on the Cleveland Browns. I think Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt coming back. The Joku with all the mouths to feed. Beckham with his injury history and suspension history. I don't think the drama's going to stop with Baker Mayfield. No, 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 no. I don't think that's going to slow down at all. Freddie Kitchen is a young coach. And I don't know if he's ready yet to handle Odell Beckham's ego. I think Jarvis Landry's going to be steady. I think he's going to be the most consistent. And I think he's going to be the most reliable player on the Browns. And if you want a piece of that offense, he's the best value you can get in rounds four. Fair. Round four, five, and even six. I don't disagree. I think on that note, we could uh, basically wrap that up, right? Yeah, so um, when you were going through your rounds four to seven, yeah, who were some other guys that you liked? Some other guys I liked in the mid-round? Well, it, it's... I still... No, okay, so I still like... So some of the guys I mentioned, I... Well, Mike Williams, I still like a Tyler Boyd there. You know what I'm saying? I still... Honestly, off the top of my head, I can't even think of a lot of the guys in the mid-round. Calvin Ridley. How do you feel about Calvin Ridley? Oh, I love Calvin Ridley. I love, I love Calvin because Ridley. Because he was my number two. Him and James White were my number two, like, ever tied. Yeah. And then Mike Williams was four. Yeah, well, you know, I like... There's... I'm having... I'm, I'm stumped. I can't think of a mid-round selection right now. You know what I'm saying? Nah, dude. I mean, there's so many. There's so many in that round. Because these are the rounds that really make or break your fantasy team. Absolutely. You will not lose. You will not. I'll rephrase this. This is a very important saying. I don't want to see it all. You will not win your league in rounds one to three, but you can lose it. You will win your league in rounds four to 16, but obviously you can also lose it. This is where you win your draft. And it's very important that you hit those middle to late round picks because that's where you build the depth of your team. Your first three picks should be bona fide studs that you don't touch. Rounds four on, I mean, shit, those guys are available for trade and waiver wire immediately after the draft something. Yeah, uh, plenty of them. If you're like this guy right here, always. Almost always are they available right after the draft. So yeah. everyone loves trades. Everyone's very excited. You know, because the draft happens, you know, there's still like four more days usually until like the, yeah. the, the regular season starts. So everyone, if not multiple weeks. If not multiple weeks, I'm not. Well, I don't like doing that. So I, I like drafting. How, where do you like drafting? Like where, where where's your ideal happy point in like the Honestly, preseason? I like drafting anywhere after the third week of the preseason between week three on. Or, call me contrarian, I like drafting before training camp. Because at that point... Everybody in your league will assume the same risk. And there is nothing more fun than just watching it all fall apart, right? Because it sucks when it fun, happens. Fun is one word to describe it. Nah, but like that's when shit hits the fan. Yeah. That's when guys are trading. That's when guys are getting... That's when guys are making moves. 
That's when it becomes kind of a chess game, and I love that shit. You like chess? I do like chess. Yeah? Yeah. We used to play chess a lot with my dad when I was a kid. I bet I can beat you in chess. I play in chess. Alright. We'll work on it. Well, I don't think that's going to happen after this, but, um... No. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, wrap up with this? No. I would, uh, I would like to shake your hand for having some fun on the first official podcast that we're releasing for this season. I'm really, really excited about this, man. Yeah, this is a lot better than the one we recorded two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We had, to, we had to re-record when we weren't exactly feeling the shit that we were putting out before, so we decided to, uh, to come back with this, and uh, I think we're both pretty happy about how it went. So. Yeah, we were looking for the weekend, and you know, since, you know, we talked yeah. about the game. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, we were talking about a couple things that maybe shouldn't be on. All right, we're done. We're done. All right? <laughs> we're going to leave it that We're done. All right, guys, once again, I'm Justin Alfaro. Next to me is Jimmy LeBeau. We are Fantasy Fucking Football. Check us out on Instagram. We're going to put it on the bottom of the screen, which is somewhere right there. I'm just kind of guessing. Uh, yeah, and that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. I mean, I got nothing else. Um, hey, if you guys watch this, if there's anything you want to discuss on the next episode, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of the guys that I played with last season. Yeah. In fact, this is actually pretty important. I'm going to end this on this note. Because it's very important that when you join your league, you do so smartly. I was in a league last year that was made through a Facebook group. And one of the guys did not get his um, his league his um, league winnings. Uh. The commissioner just took it and ran. It's very important to do that stuff through league sake. It is very important. That's what I always use. Not a paid plug, by the way, at all. No, no, no. I mean, they don't sponsor us. This no. is our first episode. We don't. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like honest to God, like this is what I use. This is it's the best format because the commissioner has to put the money in the website. Everything gets paid through that website. Then the commissioner has to put in the standings. And then it literally tracks how the season ends and pays it out automatically. So it's very important, guys, just be careful when you're joining leagues through social media or people. Because once you send money through Venmo or PayPal, after 30 days, you can't get that money back. Yeah. And you go through a whole fantasy football season, you might as well just hand that guy $1,000 if you're slow. Just be smart about it and do the right thing. I feel really bad about my friend Bobby and my friend Carl that joined these leagues that didn't get their dues first and second place in the league. Yeah. It was a really competitive league. It was really fun. And, and you know, it sucks to see because one greedy asshole decides to ruin it for everybody. Absolutely. Right, guys, I, mean, I will leave it at that note after that public service announcement. PSAs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>